God. Amen. Okay, stop being so nice. <laughs> so, uh, today, there's a couple of things happening that are different than usual. One is, there's an air show going to be going on, right? And yesterday, we experienced an unbelievable amount of traffic right out here in front. It was like, oh, this is crazy. You know, so we, like, we're looking at right now, it doesn't look too bad, but we want you to be ready. If the traffic gets really bad, what we experienced yesterday, we're gonna, this is what we're going to do. We're going to shut this entrance down over here because we got people crossing over trying to get like onto the other side. They're trying to go through the parking lot, which is not necessarily healthy for everybody else trying to get to their car, right? And then the other thing we experienced is almost impossible to make a, a left-hand turn off of this entrance because there's so many cars coming down this way. So what we're going to do is we're going to make it so you turn right, okay? Now, if for some reason the traffic isn't bad, you'll see the cones aren't there. Everything's going to be fine. It'll just be normal. But if you see that, just remember, you're going to hit it. You're going to go right. If you need to get to the 1604 back over, just head down the next light, take another uh, right, and then go to Kitty Hawk, take a right, and you'll get back to 1604. Okay, get that out of the way. So today we have someone speaking that's never spoken at the pulpit before. Now, she is a daughter of the house, right? And, and, and one, I'll give you a little insight. Like Dwayne and the elders, like we're always like, God, what are you doing with different people? How are they growing? What are they called into? And one of the things we've recognized about this person is they have an anointing on them. They have a calling on them. There's a gifting on them. And this, this person loves to go make disciples, baptize people. She's out there affecting the world around her. And so it gives me great joy to share with you, Shireen. Thank you. Thank you. I feel the love. Thank you. So, um, yeah, my first time. So welcome to the Let Shireen on the Platform Experiment. <laughs> we'll see how it works. It's been a crazy weekend with technology stuff. So, but God is good. Amen. Wow. I, I, I feel impressed to pray right now. Is that okay? All right. God, every single heartbeat in this building today is your treasure. Every single heartbeat is in this building today because you brought them. Every single heartbeat in this building today, you have a word. And I declare right now that every stronghold that may have walked in the door is going to get broken today. I declare that every wall that has been built up is going to start crumbling today. Chains will be broken. Hope will be restored. God, you have a plan for the people today. And I believe and I declare that love is breaking through. Love is breaking through in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, God, you are so good. He has a plan for you today. And where it comes from, how we walk in freedom and how we walk in the love of God 
really comes from how we see ourselves. And so if you have heard me speak at all, um, I've done transitions up here and so, uh, and 21 days of prayer and all of that. And so I tend to get a little like geeked out over science facts and how they like, uh, you know, confirm God's word. And so I'm thinking this morning about our thought life. Okay, the things that we have going through our minds all the time. And what God tied that to for me was really the science, the neuroscience of how our brain works. So I'm going to share just some quick facts because these wow me. It like really connects how amazing God is and how amazing he designed us. So just here's some quick facts. There are about 100 billion neurons in the human brain. So this is approximately the same number of stars in our galaxy. So if you look up the little bit of sky that you can see, all those stars, expand that out to our galaxy, like that lives inside your head. That's how many neurons are in your brain. And the slowest speed that information travels between these neurons is about 260 miles per hour. That's the slowest speed that these neurons are are talking to each other. And then energy, your brain actually uses energy. It produces energy. And if you could hook a light bulb up to your brain, it produces enough energy to light a 25-watt bulb. That's incredible. And then the average number of thoughts that we have are believed to experience every day is about 70,000 thoughts. So can you imagine the flurry of our activity like all day where these neurons are just firing off with every thought at 200 and something miles per hour and you could actually produce light from that activity? I think that's probably why God has so much to say about what we think about. And so I'm going to bring up to the first scripture. We have a lot of scripture today because he has a lot to say about what we think. So the first scripture is Proverbs 23, 7. And it says, For as a man thinketh within himself, so is he. So think about that for a second. You are what you think. Whatever you think in your heart, there's another version that says, Whatever a man thinks in his heart, and in that word it's talking about the mind and the soul. Does that maybe sound familiar in today's culture with people identifying with different things that may not necessarily line up with what the truth seems to be about who they are? I identify as this, identify as that. Does not necessarily mean that it's true, but they think that about themselves and that's how they walk in that identity. So we know we could sit here and say, well, wow, then if I think I'm amazing, I must be amazing. Absolutely. If that's what God says about you, which he does. But we know that the enemy likes to twist and pervert scripture. And so if he can get you to believe a lie, then you can walk around thinking a certain way about yourself that's not true and identifying with something that's not true. And so that brings us to Philippians 4.8. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, 
whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if anything is worthy of praise, think on these things. So here we see God telling us what we should be thinking about, all those things. And so what we think about, if you have a thought, have any of you ever had a thought just pop into your head? You're like, hmm, I don't even know where that, this doesn't even seem like, especially when I'm driving, <laughs> I'm getting mad at somebody, and I'm like, oh, I wish I just had a bomb that I could clear trap. Wow, no, I would not really bomb anybody, but I mean, I'm having these thoughts suddenly come in, and I'm like, oh, that is not a good thought. Jesus, forgive me. And, like, I really wouldn't do that. So I'm like, that's not me. I'm not a violent person. And so it, it's, it's an ongoing thing. I'm sure all of you have experienced something of that sort. But there is something going on when I have this, this thought um, that feels like it's not me. And that's because it probably isn't me. Our minds are where the devil plays. And we have only two sources of, of power in this world, and that's God or Satan. So my thoughts are either godly or they ain't. And so what am I going to do with these thoughts? But God is talking here, and if you think about all that energy your mind is creating with these firing neurons, do you think it matters what kind of thoughts that we're, have, that we're having if it actually produces physical energy? So, so what do we do with this? In Romans chapter 12, too, it says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So let God, trans let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. So we can actually change the way we think physically, tangibly, to actually be transformed spiritually. So neuroscience has discovered that every thought that you have, it starts um, creating this electrical pathway in your brain. And the more you think that thought, like the more that pathway is cleared and the faster that, that thought travels to its destination, that ends up in an action, right? So if you've ever read about how to create new habits, it goes along the same line. And if you think about, you know, if you're trying to hike a trail or something, and it's, it's not a trail that's been traveled very well before, and so you're Maybe you're taking your machete out. I don't know, you're in the jungle, I guess, if you have a machete, not a hiking trail. But you're, you're clearing it out. You're clearing the weeds. And the next time you, you take that trail, it's a little bit easier until you've traveled it a million times and, and there's, it's a clear path. That is what our thoughts are doing with these pathways. So the more we have a thought and take ownership of it and go to that thought over and over and over, it's created this pathway that starts creating a habit and an identity. So you actually very literally can physically change your brain with the thoughts that you have. You can rewire your brain. So in 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. 
we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. That actually is hitting me a little bit different than when I wrote it down. Um, we destroy every proud obstacle, a proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. So if we're believing a lie, can keep us from knowing God and subsequently stop us from knowing who we are, stop us from knowing who somebody else is. You know, I sincerely believe, has anybody ever watched like Forensic Files or anything like into those murdery shows? Forgive me if that's not okay, but so I've watched these <laughs> um, shows about like murderers and stuff, and they always show like the baby picture of the killer. And at first, you like really hate this guy because he's just so evil. And they show the baby, especially if you're like a mom, you're just like, oh, the baby. And and me, I'm like, oh, I just want to hold that baby. I just want to love him, and so that they don't have to grow up and be this evil person. No, none of us are born to be these things. God loved that baby, and he loved them when they grew up to be a serial killer. But somewhere along the line, they started believing something about themselves that's not true. Can I just tell, if there's a serial killer in here today, God is in love with you. If you have murdered somebody, God is in love with you. No doubt, 100%, I know he is in love with you. And he wants you to embrace who he says that you are. And it's not a thief. It's not a murderer. It's not an adulterer. It's not an addict. It's not a liar. It's not a failure. Okay? It's not those things. That is not what he says. And so thinking about it from a perspective of how you view somebody else God can sit there and give you thoughts about what is good about somebody. But Satan can also sit there and put thoughts in your head about what is bad about somebody. So how many are married? <laughs> how many have had bad thoughts about your spouse? Much as you love them, you've had some bad thoughts about your spouse, okay? And it always seems to happen to me, like, at night when I'm laying in bed. And my husband is a truck driver, so he's not there every night laying in bed with me. And so it probably happens less often, but when I get mad at him and, like, we haven't really resolved anything before bed, and he's laying there. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't stink. Can't live like this anymore. And you're just this, and you made me mad about this, and you must be this. And it's just like this litany of, of things that they might be true in things that he did. But what I'm thinking about him isn't necessarily what God says. And if I let it go too long, if I dwell on those thoughts, if I don't take those thoughts captive, I can continue to view him in such a way that causes me to act towards him in such a way that we are not having a healthy relationship. And so I'm sure that's just us. So, <laughs> so how do you take a thought captive, right? You recognize, first of all, like what kind of thoughts you're having. Like it takes me a little bit sometimes. I have to I'll get pretty dramatic. Like I just need to get a divorce. Like I'm just done. I can't live. And I'm like, wow, I'm being super dramatic right now. Okay, God. 
just, I need to pray. But so imagine your mind is a computer screen, okay? Um, you have this screen, you have your cursor blinking, and then there's like just all these thoughts being typed out on this computer screen. And some of them are good and some of them are bad. There are just 70,000 thoughts a day, guys, just getting written across this computer screen. But if, if you work with the computers, you know, like if your computer is going to recognize a command, there's something you have to do after you type your command in. Hit enter, right? And so there's an action that you have to intentionally take to make this command download. So I have a choice. Like that thought can sit there. Recognize what I'm saying because you feel guilty about the thoughts you have sometime and you, and you shouldn't. Your thoughts are coming from a, a source and they don't belong to you until you take ownership of it, okay? So I've got to intentionally accept that this is true by hitting enter. So the devil knows this and he's typing these things in. So I can choose to delete it or I can choose to hit enter. If I just delete it, we kind of, I love that we, we had this meeting where they kind of brought it back to what Sean talked about last week. And so if you hadn't seen last week's service, I encourage you to go back and look at it. But if you just hit delete, like you have a blank screen. And what he talked about is like, you, you can get back to zero, which is just a placeholder. Like you got rid of all the negative, but then you're kind of at zero. And you need to fill that in with something. If you never put anything in that placeholder, creates a vacuum where the enemy just comes right back in, right? So we have to then delete the bad, but then ask God, then what is true? If I've rejected that, and that's not true, if God has said, or if Satan has said, you're a bad mom, your kid is failing in school, you're, you're failing, you're a failure as a parent, nope, delete. Well, then what is true? If that's not true, what is true? So I have the choice to delete it, but then I need to fill it back up with what God says about me. So I don't know that we always understand the gravity of, of how Satan actually works. So if, I don't know if any of you have ever seen like a supernatural like horror movie or anything, but even if you've seen like a preview where, you know, they're in the middle of this crazy haunting and like the chairs are flying and the lights are flickering and there's like this voice that's going, get out of my house. And then everybody's like, oh, and you're all scared. And then like you go to bed and you're like, okay, like my door is creaking and you know, it's, like, it's scary. And, and to me, it's, it's not scary. Like to me, that's kind of funny. Because if, if, if Satan actually came to my house and was doing all that, I know the authority I have, and I know that Satan flees from the sound of his name, so I'm just like, get out in Jesus' name. We don't do that in his house, <laughs> right? I would, and it would be with authority, like, get out in Jesus' name. Get out. And I know he has to obey the authority of that name. Do we do that with our thoughts? Look, if Satan came to, this is like him coming to the door and be like, with his horns in his tail, like, hi, I'm Satan. How may I torture you today? Like, he, that's obvious. He doesn't come 
So uh, now I'm, I'm not just counting if you've ever had any like supernatural experiences where those things were happening. But uh, to me, that's, that's not deception, that's destruction. Because where he really plays is in our minds. We are his biggest weapon. And he impersonates us with our own voice to convince us that what we're thinking and believing is true because we think it came from us. So I'm going to give you an example. Um, back in 2011, I was, have, I was having a lot of health issues with my back. I had a ruptured disc. And if you've ever had like sciatic pain, you can relate, but it was like sciatic pain on crack or something. Like it was really bad. And I was in bed a lot. And my husband, like I said, he's a truck driver. He was gone all the time. I was homeschooling our kids. They were little, like four, four and five, five and six. And um, I, I couldn't really function like a normal person. I was in pain 100% of the time. There were several times when that disc would just tweak just right where I was in the floor. And they had to call the ambulance. And I was in the ambulance getting pumped full of painkillers. Couldn't move. They got me on a stretcher. They send me home, pumped full of drugs, no resolution. I was doing physical therapy, injections, painkillers, like all, chiropractor, like all these things. And there came a point where I felt pretty hopeless. I was dealing, and if you have chronic pain, like you can probably relate. I was miserable. And I had to teach my son, who was five or six during that time, to do all the laundry. And, and he was so little, so I had to like pull a stool up and I had to like show him all the buttons. I'm like, this is how you run the machines. And, and then I had to take him to the kitchen and say, okay, this is how you're gonna make your sandwiches and your cereal. And then my little four-year-old daughter had to help me get dressed. And I'm their mom. And they are these babies and they are taking care of me. And I began just this, I, it was really a pity party because I would sit there going through these motions and at the end of the day, sob in my pillow like, you are such a burden on your family. These babies should not be taking care of you. It would be better if you just weren't alive. Like, yeah, they would be sad for a minute, but they would probably be relieved if you weren't here. Your husband could get remarried. Like, he could have a real wife that would do all the things the wives are supposed to do. Like, you are pretty much worthless. You can't jump on the trampoline with your babies. I had to tell him, I'm sorry. Mommy's broken. I can't play with you. Mom, we want to go ride bikes. Mommy's broken. I can't. And it got to the point where there was no internal dialogue arguing with those statements. It just became a fact. Like, this is what is true because this is what I see in front of me every day. And so, I had made a choice at one point 
I had a new prescription for painkillers. And I already had some. I had a bottle that was about half full. But I had a prescription for a new bottle. And I told my husband, hey, I'm out of my pain pills. Can you run out and get my refill? And so I wanted all the pills that I could possibly get together because I was going to take my life. And he, he didn't know this, so he's like, yeah, baby, I got you. And he goes out. While he's gone, I went to go get in the bathtub so I could try to relieve some of the pain that I was in. So getting the hot water seemed to help. And I was always laying in there. It was just solidified. I knew what I was going to do when he got home. There was no doubt in my mind. It was settled. And that litany of thoughts was in there. Your family's going to be so much better off without you. You're just a burden. This is going to be a good thing for them. You're doing a good thing for your babies by dying. And I believed it 100%. So my water gets cold. I actually couldn't get out of the bathtub. I was in so much pain still that I kind of just threw my leg over the side of the tub, got in the floor, and, and crawled on all floors into my room, kind of slumped next to the bed. I couldn't even get on it. And I just decided I will wait here until my pills get here. Well, as I sat there, just numb. I was, I, I can't even remember that I thought anything. I was numb at that point. I had decided and I was done. Well, my little boy, all of a sudden he starts walking in the room. And so I grabbed the blanket from above the bed and kind of threw it over myself because I was not dressed. And I was like, oh, hey, baby, are you okay? Everything okay? Yeah, mom, I just wanted to tell you you're pretty. And he came and gave me a kiss on the cheek and he walked out of the room. He didn't, he didn't know he was sent by God in that moment. Something broke. And I thought, what am I doing? What am I doing? This is insane that I am sitting here ready. I can't do this to my bed. Like, it was all of a sudden, like, bam. God was like, no, and he sent my son to remind me who I am and how he sees me. But how did I get there? Like, how did I get to such a dark place? It just started with what I thought about what was going on around me. I didn't know that that was the enemy talking to me, I thought it was me talking to me about what is true. It started with a simple thought. You are not enough. And there it is. Cursor blinking. What do I do with it? Well, obviously, at that time in my life, I hit enter every time that thought was type. Boop. Yep, that's what's true. That's what's true. Until it became my identity. And so I want you to remember this. This, this is the logical pathway for how thoughts manifest. 
Thoughts become words. Words become actions. Actions become habits. Habits become how you live and how you identify. Becomes your life. So I've hit inner and I've accepted a lie about who I am and I didn't recognize that I had done that. And I always spoke about myself from a place of insufficiency, not being good enough, until my action born from those words was this plan to end my life. So where did that thought come from? Did God tell me you are not enough? Have you ever had that thought about anything? You are not enough. We probably all have about something. If God didn't say that to me, he didn't say it to you. Remember that we only have two sources. Is Satan saying that or is God saying it? Don't take ownership just because you have the thought. So what does God say about me, right? Like I said, we've deleted the bad thoughts. So what does God actually say? So I have a few scriptures here because I like to back up what God says with scripture, amen? So 2 Corinthians 3, 5, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Ephesians 2.13, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And 1 Peter 2.9, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own creation, his own possession. Do you get that, what's being said? You are God's possession. He bought you with a price. You are a jewel in his crown. God doesn't take a priceless jewel that might have a little dirt on it and say, mm, not good enough, kicking it to the curb. I don't know about you, but if I found a diamond in like the worst possible, like in the sewer, okay, Am I, I'm not going to leave that diamond. Like, I will take it, and I will wash it off, and I will take it home, and I will love that diamond, and I will show it off to everybody and say, look at my treasure. Isn't it beautiful? And I don't care where it came from. I cleaned it. That's your identity. So God's not saying that you're not enough. So how do you become transformed? When my son came to me and did that, and, that, and whatever it was that was broken, it was a process. It wasn't like just all of a sudden I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm this amazing one of God. Let me No, There was a process, but that was where that, that broke right there. The manifestation is me not being dead, but standing up here talking to you. And 
within that time, there was a process of God just chipping away all the things that were not true about me. All the things, all the, every time, walk, just falling off. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. Guess what? You're healed. I claim that. I'm healed. I'm healed. I, I couldn't walk. Okay? I could not walk. I was in a wheelchair, literally. I am walking today in front of you. I was healed, and I claimed it. That was my identity. You are my mouthpiece. Okay. Enter. That's who I am. You are an amazing mom, and your children are anointed of God. Guess what? My kids are working with Children's Church today. My son's speaking for the first time. I take that. I claim that. It's recognizing and choosing every single day. Nobody's ever arrived at being who they are. I'm not arrived. God's still having to chip a lot of stuff off of me. And even leading up to this talk, even leading up to this morning, I'm having to delete things that aren't true. <laughs> And, and accept what God is saying about who I am. So I started doing these exercises. And I called them exercises. At the time, it was just what God wanted me to do. I remember standing in front of the mirror one day. And my daughter had gotten pregnant as a teenager and I had, was really struggling with that. And again, questioning myself as a mother, like how could I raise this child in church? And, you know, I just messed up somewhere that she took off doing drugs and getting pregnant. Now she's back in my house. I don't know if she's going to bring a babe. I was just, I was really struggling with that. And it sounds a little bit narcissistic that I brought it back to me. Like, <laughs> wasn't about me. I should have been praying for her instead of worrying about myself and who I am. Um, but I just remember standing in front of the mirror, and I had been sobbing, and I was seeing how red my eyes were, and I was like, oh, my God, you just look like a hot mess, and you have this, a meeting you need to get on, and you look like this. And I just kind of stopped, and I was just kind of looking at myself. And I was like, God, I just need your help. I don't even know what to do, so I just need you. And he started talking to me. He was like, I need you to look at yourself the way I see you. Let's put everything else aside. I'm looking at my reflection. But there was a shift that happened that all of a sudden I wasn't looking at me. God was looking at me. And I just began saying Whatever was put in my heart, you know, you are so powerful. You are so strong. You are so loved. And I'm, and I'm crying like I would be saying this to somebody else because I was almost having a little bit of an out-of-body experience. Like, I didn't feel like I was looking at my reflection. I just looked at that reflection as somebody God loved. And I saw myself completely differently. And it was an experience that I won't forget. So we're going to do something a little bit different today. And I want you 
to hopefully get a little bit of taste of what that is. So you actually have permission today, if you have it with you, to take out your phone. If you have your cell phone with you, I want you to take it out. And if you don't have your phone with you, that's okay. We're, you're still going to participate, but I want to make this a little bit more real. So if you have your phone, take it out, and I want you to turn the camera on, and you're going to have, like, the selfie view. Okay. Yeah, come on. Come on. And I'm going to tell you how powerful this. I did this with one of my kids, and they actually stood looking at themselves in the mirror for about half an hour, and they could not open their mouth. And it struck me how much of a stronghold it is when Satan actually had sewn their mouth shut, it seemed like, that they wouldn't say what God said. So this is more powerful than you might realize. So everybody have their phone out? All right. I want you to look at yourself, and, and if you don't have your phone, I close your eyes and just Think about God. But if you have your phone, I want you to really look at yourself in that reflection. And immediately, I know you're like, oh, my God, I have a booger hanging out. Oh, my hair is out of place. Nope. Don't, don't fix your, no, stop, stop fixing yourself. <laughs> don't fix yourself. <laughs> Just come as you are. I want you to take a deep breath. I want you to say this. God, show me how you see me. Don't see that reflection as some imperfect being, but look at that person as somebody God loves. If you were looking at your daughter or your son or your husband or your mom, somebody that you love, you're looking at them and they think they're just got warts and freckles and they're like, and you're just like, oh my God, I love you. I love you. And God is saying these things about you. So I want you to repeat this after me. And again, I've got scripture to back it up. So I'm not just saying this just to say it. This is what God says in his scripture. So I want you to look at who God loves and say this. I am strong. Say it with conviction. I am strong. I am loved. I have value. I am beautiful. You don't have to necessarily believe what you said right now. I get it. When I did this exercise with my child, they pretty much said, I don't really feel it. That's okay. You keep saying it, and that becomes your identity and you feel it. The idea is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind because that is where we walk in freedom. We need to believe what God says about us. That's what walking in freedom looks like. And there's something I need you to know. We talk a lot about identity at New Life Fellowship, and there's a reason. Identity is under attack in our culture. This isn't something 
this isn't a trick, right? It's not a, a secular, like, positive affirmations. It, it literally is the way God designed us. And that design is powerful. And you have the power to take God's design and take authority over it. Take your thoughts and put them under the obedience of Christ. And not only begin to walk in your identity, but grab people along with you and say, hey, here's what God says about you, and don't let them go. You will change lives by understanding first who you are. So we can have all of these thoughts, and then those thoughts turns into actions. If God is speaking to you right now about some of the lies that you've believed, I want you to start making your way forward to the altar. If God has spoken to you about some internal struggles that you've had, some internal dialogue that you've had where you've been wrestling with some ideas that are not true about who you are, we want to pray for you. There is something important about taking a thought and moving it into action to create identity. So I don't want you to let fear stop you from making a move towards God. The enemy doesn't want you to walk in freedom. If you've ever thought, I'm not enough. If you've ever thought, I'm not a good wife. I'm not a good mom. That job's not for me. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. If you've ever thought, so-and-so's not good enough. This is about us and also how we see other people. God wants to break those chains today so that you do not leave here like you came in Jesus name in Jesus name you will not leave here like you came but it's a choice you make today it's a choice you make today so as the singers come up worship if you feel led to do so come up to the altar we have people who will pray with you But we want to give God access today. Taking thoughts captive. Amen.